And happy Friday evening, everyone. The weekend is here. And I think there's probably going to be a bunch of y'all up in Dallas. I think that's where they're having all con. Yep. And I've seen a lot of posts with people going to all con this weekend. I was so, just supposed to go in. Everyone, I hope y'all have a good time there and post many, many pictures. We do want to see them. Definitely. So, a lot of stuff going on. As you know, we have Gaz with us today. Gaz Bot, who's Hello. an artist, and he's also a podcaster for Power Rangers, out of all things. Mainly reviews, if I'm correct. Not mm -hmm. really. We do interviews as well, but yeah. That's one of the main things, but you do a lot of artwork, and I think a lot of your artwork is centered around the Power Rangers, or that was somewhat correct. I, I do a lot of Power Rangers art. I also do a lot of um, Godzilla. I do a lot of what's known as tokusatsu, which is Japanese special effects. Which nice. uh, Power Rangers uh, is an American creation based on a Japanese TV show. So whenever they're in the suits, that's Japanese actors and stuff like that for the most part. So Power Rangers, you know, is part of that. But, uh, you know, big monsters, big robots, Japanese superheroes, like all that together is, is kind of my wheelhouse. Can I ask a unique question? You can ask me anything. How long ago did Power Rangers start? Oh, Babu's here. Hey, hey. <laughs> you can answer that one. Uh, 1993. So next year will be the 30 year anniversary. And wow, with like one arguable year exception, it's basically been on nonstop since then, which a lot of people don't realize. I didn't realize that's that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No wonder there are so many different actors through the years. Right. And every after the first couple seasons for a while, they're, they kept the same cast. But at some point, they realized we can't keep this same iteration going forever. So they started changing it up. And usually every two years, they completely turn over the cast. So how depending on how old you are or when you started watching it or, you know, where you first saw it, your Power Rangers might be completely different than someone else's, you know, because of that. Very cool. So what is your podcast like? Um, well, I... I don't mind it being called a podcast, but that's a little misleading because okay. I do it on YouTube. It's a video show. Okay. And while I know you can take audio and make it like you guys do, I don't take that step because uh, I never learned how when I'm lazy. And, you know, <laughs> so it, effectively, it's a, it is, you know, it's just a talk show. Um, and that came out of two things. One being that I am a visual artist uh, and that's, you know, I went to school for that. That's how I make my living. Um, and I don't always just do power. Like I have to do client work that isn't super fun as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, a combination of, I was doing Twitch. I started doing Twitch to try to promote my art. And I was doing these things where, you know, I'd be like, Hey, tell me what you want. And I'll try to draw it real quick in five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. And I was doing that and it wasn't getting a lot of traffic, but, um, sometimes I would do power ranger stuff and that got a little bit more of a, of a push. Hmm. And I have a friend, uh, who goes, his name's Alex goes by the big dog online. Who's my power rangers friend. Like that's kind of how we became friends was bonding over that. And we would once a week get together and talk about the episode or did you see that new toy or whatever. And one day we had, I forget the, basically we decided to film that and throw it up on Twitch and it got way more views than my little art show. And so then I tried to kind of combine the two where like, I'll draw Power Rangers while we talk about the episode, but it was really hard to multitask and do that. So eventually I was like, I'm just going to do my art and do my art. And then I'll make the show about Power Rangers. Uh, and then that was I don't know, 
three years ago, and we, we do it more or less once a week since then. And we review the new episodes of the current season. We re review classic episodes, and we uh, interview actors when we can, like Steve Andrino, who played Babu. And sometimes, if we're lucky, we've interviewed Steve, but we've also had him on to review episodes he was in. So that's a lot of fun, where we that's watch another episode with him and you know, just kind of go through it that way. Well, uh, now here's the question. It was yes. a super great show or it is a super great show? Are you still doing it or? Oh, yeah, no. I, I am. Yeah, we did one this week. Uh, the, the Dino Fury is the current season. Um, uh, Dino Fury season two just dropped on Netflix the first half. They dropped like 11 episodes. So we reviewed the first episode last week. We reviewed the second episode this week. So, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we generally do it every week if we can. And if there's no new episodes, we review a classic one or we do other fun stuff that, you know, like reviewing toys or talking to an actor that, or something. That was going to be my next question as if you took a break when the show took a break. But not, we have. No, we have taken a few breaks, but not for that reason. It's more if somebody needed to go on a trip or, you know, like life stuff got in the way, we might have to skip a week or two here or there. But generally, it, it, it keeps rolling. Yeah. I don't know what a break is anymore. <laughs> yeah, Greg, that doesn't exist in, in Greg's vocabulary. So then, um, I guess, it, is it fair to assume that your show is like a live show or do you pre-record it? Um, it's 99, well, 90% of the time pre-recorded. Um, okay. we, we talk live in a similar, we use StreamYard just like we are here right. and I'll record that. And usually it's just me and him talking. If we have a guest, we'll make it live so that people can do Q and A and things like that. And right. once in a while we'll do special, Hey, we're just going to chat and, and do a live episode for that reason. Okay. Um, but when, we used to do the reviews live because again, we started on Twitch and we barely go on Twitch much anymore. I, we just found YouTube work better for us. Right. Um, but it was mm -hmm. kind of like when I was trying to draw and talk about the show, when I was trying to monitor all the comments, because it wasn't yeah. a free discussion, I'm trying like, okay, and then in the third scene, if you notice, oh, so-and-so said something that happened 10 minutes ago, and this person's just saying, I like your shirt, and it became too distracting for what we wanted to be, so we try to separate the live shows and make them, hey, now is time to talk to you guys. Um, yeah. And what happens is we get a lot of discussion then in the comments below uh, the oh, video. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. what kind of started your love for Power Rangers? Um. It's interesting because I'm old to be a Power Rangers fan. Um, I was in uh, my teens, early teens, when Mighty Morphin came out. So I was too old for when it first started. But I was watching it because, as you can tell, I'm a big child. And so I, I was watching X-Men and whatever else. And then that came on. And it was kind of cheesy, but I also kind of liked it. And, you know, I sort of, like, embarrassedly was into it, you know, for the first couple seasons. And then I kind of forgot about it. And I, that didn't, you know, that, that wasn't what got me on the path I'm on now. Right. And then um, my, my little brother, a couple of years later, he got into it and I sort of bought a couple of the toys and sort of almost got back into it, but then didn't. Years later, I was at a Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, and they had a Japanese, there's a company called SH Figure Arts. It puts out high-end, like, collectible figures. And they had the Green Ranger, the original Green Ranger, who was my favorite from back in the day. He's just a really cool-looking figure. And I was already still collecting toys. Not Power Ranger toys, but Star Wars, Transformers, whatever. And I saw this. And I'm like, oh, I really kind of want that just because it's a cool-looking toy. And I'm like, oh, but I'm, a, I'm enough of a Power Rangers fan. I don't know. Should I get it? Blah, blah, blah. And I ended up buying it just because, like, well, whatever. It's a toy. It's a cool toy. And right around that time, um, Netflix started putting a lot of the older ones up there. So I started rewatching some of the old ones. Mm -hmm. And then kind of like a lot of people, I'm like, I knew it went on for a long time, but I didn't realize it, it was like still currently on at that point. And the newest season was coming up um, 
but I went back a few seasons and started watching a season called Samurai, which is not thought of as one of the best seasons, but I love it because it was what got me back into it. And this is, you know, it's a new season, but we're talking like, I don't know, six years ago now, seven years ago, whatever. And so that I really, really got into the season because I had basically not watched, I'm like, I had not watched uh, the show you know, in 15 years. So right. as cheesy as it was, it was like light years ahead of everything I had seen in terms of special effects and acting. And like, I'm like, wow, this is like the best thing I've ever seen, even though it's still a cheesy show. And so that got me into it. And then I just watched from there up to the current season. And then I went back and watched from the beginning. And now at this point, I have not seen all of it. There is one season I haven't seen none of and one that I've only seen part of. So that means out of 29 seasons, I've seen, you know, like 20, five and a half or 26 and a half, something like that. Um, and I will finish, but I just haven't yet. Well, well, you brought up a subject where now I, I have to go down the rabbit hole, which is very rare. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually Sandy. me. Okay. It's usually me that like takes us down these rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. San Diego comic con. Yes. Is it hype? Is it all the hype that it's made out to be? Well, here's the thing. I, I understand it used to be something different, but I never went to what it used to be. You know what I mean? Like people talk about before it blew up. I started going around the time it was blowing up. I think people say when Twilight came out is when it kind of changed into a whole different thing. And I think the first year I went there, I mean, it probably was like 10 years ago now. So it was post Twilight. I remember the big movie that I was excited about was Tron Legacy. And I think that was about 10 or 11 years ago. That came out. And um, it's... If you're not okay with crowds and heat and waiting, you're not going to have a good time because it is nothing but walking and waiting and, and not knowing where you're going and that person to, but, but I feel it's worth it. I mean, there's, there's comics and there's cartoons and there's toys and there's celebrities, all that's fun. And every year it's different depending on what's going on. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of experiences, which are some of my favorite parts going back to Tron legacy. Uh, you know, I love the original movie. I was super excited for I'm wearing a Tron hoodie. I didn't even realize that how coincidental <laughs> but, uh, they had an offsite, what they call an offsite because it's, I, I describe it as I've never been to Mardi Gras, but from everything I've seen, it looks like Mardi Gras for nerds because the entire Mardi convention center and all the hotels nearby have like their areas, you know, they're, they're, whatever called meeting halls and stuff are filled and it spills mm -hmm. off to the streets. They're all closed down and every single store that could possibly pretend they're part of it. They'll paint a Spider-Man in the window of Seven Eleven or whatever, you know, everybody's got something going on and they have a lot of offsite things. And so they had an offsite thing for Tron where like four blocks away, they had rented out this building and they had a retro arcade set up to look like. Nice. That is cool. Yes, but it gets better because if you went there early enough, they give you a little pocket thing that says Tron and it has tokens. And the tokens have all the fake games from the movie that never existed, but they're like space paranoids and stuff like that. Yeah. And then at some point, and I wasn't there for this moment, but at some point the Tron arcade game opens up and flips open and it enters to a corridor, which I did get to go in. And they have a replica of the thing that shot Flynn into the digital realm and then you go through that and there's all this like smoke and like and now you're in the end of line club from tron legacy so you start off with the vintage movie you go through the stuff now and then once you're in there there's it's like a dance party and there's like free coke zero and it's just like it's crazy you know and everybody's in character it feels like you're disneyland or something you know that's cool that's yeah. more so like kind of kind of blow it all up yeah, yeah, and I've been to many things like that for various different properties that they were advertising at the time. And more often than not, they're free. So I also tell people, if you live kind of in the area and you don't have tickets, just go downtown. Wait in line for an hour or two. Something cool is going to happen, you know. But you will be waiting a lot. You will be waiting a lot. And you will never right. be able to do it. 
I, I go for. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not for me then if I have to wait because I get impatient and then my impatience feeds <laughs> out to other people and then those people don't yeah. like me and then I'm asked not to come back. It's a whole thing. <laughs> a whole thing. <laughs> I, and I feel you. I, what, what I tend to do is I bring podcasts that I could listen to. Mm-hmm. I bring comic books that I could read if I don't get Wi-Fi. I bring a sketchbook to draw in and I try to be friendly with the people in line around me. Sometimes people literally bring like board games, like like the kind you could like, like, like little dice games and play in line. So you know if you kind of think of it as like i'm going to camp out in this line for an hour or two and maybe make some new friends that's kind of the attitude you have to have if you're thinking of it like i I can't wait to get in that room yeah you're gonna go nuts you you can't yeah see i just (laughs) as many of these as i do i am just not a people person you know it's just for some reason i just seem to not attract the right people and they annoy me and then it's Becomes a whole thing, right? So yeah. I'm not the peopleest of people. Okay, like, well, then, like I guess I should be nicer to people. Maybe they'll be nicer to me. I should be nice. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> the rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. No. Who do you annoy? He never annoys anybody. Not me. Oh no, I wasn't talking about him. Not at all. I'm just talking about people in general. Okay, like it's just the whole thing. Annoy Amy Knight. Trevor says annoy Amy Knight. That's rude. I am. Hey, it's a thin line, man. It's a thin line. I don't know if you want to. After the day I have had, I don't think you want to. It might. It might just end bad for you and everybody else. That might not end well. No, I actually. Watched one of your shows, believe it or not. I you don't believe one of ours. I watched one of yours. It was one where y'all were talking about how the ending just, just was not right, that y'all felt the writers were not. Right. That must have been fairly recent. The end of season two of Dino Fury, I think, is probably, or season one of Dino Fury, where I'm guessing that's the one you're talking about? It, very possible. It was one of the newer ones. Yeah, we're we generally try to be positive, and like we know some of the people involved, and so we're not looking to be mean or anything. And sometimes a bad performance is not the actor's fault, and yada yada yada. But mm-hmm. we also try to keep it real. And like the the most recent season that just came back, but before it came back, it had this big cliffhanger ending, and it was not that great of a cliffhanger. And everything they built up was kind of not paid off well, and it was literally a thing where i'm not gonna get too into it but like they lost their powers and their base was destroyed but the enemies are still out there and it's like okay that's a good ending and then before the credits rolled they're like no you know what you get your powers back and your base is fixed don't even worry about it and it was like why why would you do that like and so yeah we were very much questioning like you built up this drama and immediately deflated it made no sense that yeah i can see how that would yeah and definitely and we acknowledge it's not a show for adult men or, or women or whatever. It's a show for kids. We get that. But yeah. there's certain things that it's just like, it's still kind of lazy writing. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be dumb for kids. It, it could still end on a cliffhanger. You know, that seems well, basic. It's not like 1882 or Yellowstone. Yeah. Or <laughs> wasn't wasn't there like a Power Ranger movie that uh, there, came out like the last 10 years or something? Yes. There was a movie, I forget what, yeah, it was within the last 10 years. You're absolutely correct. And that was sort of uh, not connected to the television show continuity at all. It was yeah. taking the original team, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is the most famous. That's what most people know. Right. And she said, let's redo that. And so they used new actors, new you know backstory and whatever, basically redoing that. Um, it wasn't terribly well received uh, in the fandom, and it wasn't terribly well received by the general public. 
I think it didn't – it wanted everybody to love it. Yeah, the 2017 – thank you, John Patrick Show. Um, I think they wanted to get more than Power Ranger fans. So they wanted to make it a little bit less rubber suit hokey and make it a little bit more cool and edgy and stuff. But I don't – the way they did it, I just don't think it appealed to mass audiences, and it also alienated the core fan base, so they kind of lost everybody. You know what I mean? It just it just wasn't – and I don't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen, but, like, usually if I like a movie, I'll watch it a few times, buy the DVD, can't wait for the sequel, and I kind of watched it and forgot about it. You know what I mean? And I didn't buy the toys for it. That's another big note. <laughs> you know, I didn't buy I didn't buy the toys for it. That's <laughs> <laughs> So for those of us who are not Power Ranger literate, I, I will admit that I have not. Um, can you kind of give us the basic premise? Sure. Um, it, it started, as I said, it was based on a Japanese show, which is called Super Sentai, which is based, Sentai is like a team. <laughs> and that started uh, like 46 years ago, something like that, with um, wow. a show called uh, Hitsumai Sentai Go Ranger, which is Secret Squadron Go Ranger. And it was, they looked like older versions of Power Rangers. They, they were played by adults. They weren't played by teenagers. And they were like a government agency or whatever. And that every year would change. And originally there wasn't any continuity through them. It was just like, hey, it's a new year. Let's have a new superhero show in Japan. Later on, they retconned it and made it all part of one thing. And then around something like 18 years in, I'm getting my number exactly wrong. Um, Zoo Ranger was picked up by Haim Saban. Uh, and brought to America. He had tried this a few times. He'd been trying to get on the air for years and he couldn't get anybody to pick it up for whatever reason. Uh, and then finally he had a deal with Fox and, and Haim Saban did a lot of stuff. He he did the X-Men cartoon. In the 90s and the 80s, he did a lot of shows, you know, but he became the most well-known for Power Rangers because he put his name on it. It says Saban's Power Rangers. Um, but all he did was take the footage, again, the monster fights and the superhero fights, and he cast um, American actors. And it's funny because the show they adapted, which was, called Zoo Ranger, which became Power Rangers, was, uh, again, uh, older, not old, like middle-aged, but like adults. And uh, they were like princes and princesses from a mystical land that were frozen. And then they get reawoken to fight this witch. And like, that's the story that becomes Power Rangers. So all the fighting and stuff looks the same, but they said, no, we're going to make it a bunch of cool teenagers for the 90s that are totally extreme and like to rollerblade and do karate and stuff and so zordon who is an american only creation he's that big blue floating head and alpha five is a little robot sidekick again an american creation um so we need some heroes get teenagers he literally says get teenagers with attitude which at the time was cool but now everyone's like that's ridiculous you know it's kind of a joke now but at the time every kid was like, yeah you know <laughs> and uh he recruits them and you get jason who's the leader who's like your stereotypical kind of all-american athlete and then you get kimberly who's sort of like the valley girl and trini who's like this smart one that's kind of you know extra good at stuff and um billy's like the scientist who's a nerd and zach's like the cool guy that likes to dance and they become the Power Rangers. Um, and so it's sort of the first couple seasons, especially, is sort of saved by the Bellish, where they have like high school drama and things going on. And oh, we got to make the big sale work. But meanwhile, oops, I got to go fight monsters. And so that's kind of how it starts. And it evolved over a couple of years where they stuck with those same actors and a few would leave, a few would come in. But you, that same basic storyline for a few years. And eventually they said, okay, we got to change out the cast. I don't know what made them decide to do it at that point, but they replaced the entire cast except for one who was a new addition. who was literally a kid. And then from then on, they started changing the cast every year to two years when they would get new uh, suits and new Zords. Because again, in Japan, they're taking the footage every year or two, they have a new show. Mm -hmm. And so 
they would have the same American actors originally keep changing suits and keep getting new robots. And eventually they said, why don't we change the actors like they do in Japan every time? And so every season is a little bit different. It's always, here's a bunch of humans. Usually there've been a few exceptions where you have like a robot or an alien or something. Here's a bunch of humans. Here's a mentor character. I'm going to give you these powers because there's this threat from a demon dimension from outer space, from inside the Earth's core, wherever it's coming from. And there's a big bad and they're henchmen and they're the monster of the week. And then it becomes a little bit formulaic of like, we're going to morph and fight the little guys. Then the big guy shows up. And so then we get our Zords and then the big guy gets huge. So we make the Zords become the big giant robot and we beat them. And that's sort of the basic formula for every season. But sometimes it's about magic and sometimes it's about science. Sometimes it's in our world. Sometimes it's in a future world. Um, and so that, that's as, as basic as I could get it. Um, but then within that formula, there are some seasons that are like terribly bad. And there are some seasons that are like really good where I would like, even if you're not a Power Rangers fan, like this is a pretty good thing, you know, like, and so it, that's part of the fun is like, you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes like I used to always judge on if I saw cool suits or I saw cool robots, I'm like, this is going to be a good season. I have learned that that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> my favorite seasons, I don't even like the way the robots look, but the writing was so good. I enjoyed it. And like uh, Greg was saying, the current season, Dino Fury, which is still going, the suits and the robots, I love. They look like dinosaur knights. It's like a really cool, fun theme. And it's been disappointing me. You know what I mean? So you can't you can't tell. <laughs> it's more of the writing the writing is. yeah the writing is kind of the biggest part like because because you know I'm, I'm a fan of like you know doctor who and star trek and all mm -hmm. that stuff and if you mm -hmm. got hokey, hokey special effects as long as the story is good i can look past that but sometimes the story is not good and then it's even worse because now you got hokey special effects and a bad story it's like uh. <laughs> so if i'm no, following you no. correctly each no. one is kind of self-contained within each it's, season it is self-contained there is a bit of continuity through line where once in a while they'll talk about a past team or mm -hmm. maybe once in a while an old ranger will show up or an old villain will show up and when that happens the fandom goes nuts because it doesn't happen enough you know yeah. in japan yeah. they do that a lot like there's a handoff where the two teams will cross over every time and they have big movies where they get like oh let's get 50 rangers together and in Japan, that's normal. In America, they've done it a few times, but not enough. Um, so it, you can watch any one season, having never seen it before, and get the whole story. But that's if you watch, now, yeah, but, yeah. Now, the one thing that you mentioned is the show started thirty years ago, and they they decided to use teenagers. Uh -huh. And if I recall, that's about the exact same time that Twenty One Jump Street came out. Mm. And I'm wondering if that if that was show was doing so well, that's why they use teenagers. I, I'm not to contradict you on your own show, but I think 21 jump street was a little bit earlier. I think 21 jump street was eighties and this was nineties. I, it could have had something to do with the popularity. eighties. Yeah. So this was 93. It started that very well could have had something to do with it. Um, and on the, in the back end, I was like, again, I wasn't a child, but I was young. And my perception was, uh, that it was the 90s and in the 90s everything was extreme and uh, and kids rule and adults are dumb and, oh, i'm gonna eat cheetos the way no adult ever would and like i like to snowboard into school and you know forget yeah. you 30 somethings so i i always thought it was just like nobody wants to you know move over superman and batman you old crusty adults we're the teenagers with attitude that's kind of how i always yeah. mm -hmm. i was i was in the navy when i guess the power rangers came out so yeah, 21 Jump Street, I was in 
high school, so it was. That but was I mean, in '87. I just looked it up actually. Okay, okay. so that's six years, but Saban was trying to get it on for a handful of years. So maybe behind the scenes, that was part of it. But that I don't remember thinking that at the time. Is all I'm saying. Well, and you said that it was kind of more geared for that age anyway. So that's probably kind of part of their line of thinking is let's yeah. make it so. Yeah. You know, and that probably started a lot of series where teams oh, yeah. were the ones that took oh, well, the there were tons role. of copycats, some mm -hmm. that were put out by the same company and some mm -hmm. that weren't. Around the same time, there was Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, Superhuman Samurais, Cyber Squad, um, probably some others that I'm forgetting. That were all that same basic formula of let's get some Japanese superhero footage and make teenagers the heroes. It was big, yeah, and some some were decent, some were not, you know, but they were all not they were all second fiddle to Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't remember a lot of those and it was like at that time yeah, I couldn't sit down and watch. Definitely not at that time. <laughs> there probably was still can't today. <laughs> And I, you know, I don't, if somebody said, I've never seen Power Rangers, what should I watch? I wouldn't start them with Mighty Morphin. Because that's like, again, going to other fandoms, like if someone had never watched Doctor Who, I wouldn't be like, start with William Hartnell, the first Doctor. No. Like, that's who you watch after you're a Tenet. fan. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I agree. I would go with Tenet as well. So um, if somebody hasn't seen it like me, which one would you start us off with? Um, there's a couple good choices. Um, I, my my personal favorite is Jungle Fury, which uh, was when Disney owned it. Another one that everybody likes, uh, myself included, is called RPM. Um, RPM is a good one because it's uh, in a future, like post-apocalyptic world. So it already starts off with like a little bit of a more serious tone. Ooh, and uh, it it's, yeah, like when you watch the first episode, it almost feels like... <laughs> Real Babu saying Operation Overdrive, that is one of the uh, least popular seasons. But my co-host, The Big Dog, it's his favorite season of all time for some inexplicable reason. I'm not at all being sarcastic just to stick it to him. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, RPM and Jungle Fury are good entry-level ones. Um, Lightspeed Rescue is another good one because that one's uh, it's a little bit older, but it's based on uh, again it's like a instead of teenage with attitude it's a government thing where they're like okay this was like the best firefighter and the best police officer and stuff and we're going to take all of them and, and empower them with the grid and they they're kind of like you know it's, it's almost like a police force where they go out and you know do stuff so it has like that kind of uh structure to it spd is another really good one which is police as well but in the future um so th those are the four that come to mind if somebody wanted to you know, jump in i think rpm sounds like something that's more up my alley it, it's it's good and well i don't want to get into spoiler territory but let's just say <laughs> uh some be, it each not, not one down is that what you're saying <laughs> no 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 rpm is very very good um every uh every season is self-contained with the asterisk that there is a bit of a continuity through line and sometimes something will show up like four seasons later that if you didn't watch that season it's fine they explain it but if you did you're like, whoa, I can't believe they brought that back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe RPM is one of those seasons that later on something came back from it that made everybody happy. Put it that way. It sounds kind of like almost Doctor Who-ish, where there's like little Easter eggs here and there of yes, characters. Absolutely. And um, they're do. kind of contained within the Doctor themselves, not necessarily the season. Yeah. Um, and it is like Doctor Who or, or even James Bond in the way that each new Doctor or Bond is like, okay, this is all new. It's the same basic formula, but we're going to do it different. And if you watch the other ones, yeah, you're going to get a little bit more flavor out of it. That being said, I and I love Power Rangers, but I'm not saying it's as good as Doctor Who. It's a whole different <laughs> you know I mean? Like I don't want people to be like, oh, this is as good as Doctor Who, and then be like, this is not. Because it's, not <laughs> it's, it's totally different. 
there's definitely different levels. Yes. Yeah. Doctor Who is is that's its own. Yeah. yeah. And again, I have to keep coming back to as much as I'm a fan of this. It's primary intention is to sell toys to children. You know what I mean? That's what, you know, that's what it's for, uh, or, you know, adults. <laughs> but, and I do think part of, uh, there are like superhero and, and things that I am more passionate about in terms of like the stories or whatever. Um, but part of what got me going back to how I got into this, like, cause I flirted with it for a while before diving all the way in is like, I always just thought the suits looked awesome and the helmets looked awesome and the robots and the monsters, like all the design work as like an artist. I'm just like, I love this aesthetic. So you know, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> now, another thing that you do is you, or at least I've seen it on your Facebook page, is you actually draw yes. while, while you're recording while you draw, basically, and talking to some of the people. Do you yeah. still do that or as you're not as much what what i'm more likely to do is um if i'm doing a live but if i go to a con live what i'll do a lot of times i'll have a piece of artwork i, I saw art prints if, if you look at this thing over here this is all art prints and comics and things that's like my stock area where i mail mm -hmm. from. so uh if i'm going to a convention where i know there's going to be an actor i'm interested in talking to or whatever or other people are, i will accelerate the print of that character because i have like i like again with all the 30 years of power rangers with like six at least rangers per team like i have not drawn them all and my goal is to eventually but that could take years um but if i know x actor is going to be at a show i'll make sure to get that print done because you know good marketing they're there people are going to want to get a sign i'll sell more whatever but also it mm -hmm. gives me an excuse to talk to the actor hey big fan here's a piece of art i did for you by the way would you be interested in doing an interview or whatever so then i would just hand them the art and that would be the art part of it if we're doing it online um i used to uh try to do it live i don't if i can what i would like to do and it doesn't always happen because sometimes i've had interviews just fall into my lap like hey can you do that this week and i you know i do but if i have the time ahead of time i would like to do a headshot of their character film it and then play it the recording while we interview them but me doing Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, uh, but me doing it live, yeah, that's I can't. I can't multitask. I, I can draw and talk, but not conduct a professional interview. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's yeah. So, have you ever taken account of all of the toys behind you? And if so, how many are Power Rangers? Well, I have not physically counted them, <laughs> but I could like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight on that row. One, two, three, four, five rows. So that's like 40. So like mm -hmm. 80, I don't know, 100, 100 figures. And then, I don't know, a bunch of morphers uh, and, and other things. And those are all vinyl. Uh, you know, 100, let's say 150 things are Power Rangers binding. That, that's my rough tally. But that's if you look, a pretty good size. If you see that gold helmet, that's that's mm -hmm. one of my favorite Rangers. That's gold samurai. And if you look to mm -hmm. the side of that, those are all Doctor Who figures, going back to Doctor Who. So. Nice. Nice. Now, Steve wants to know how many interviews have you done? Oh, you know, I don't know. Uh, on my YouTube channel, uh, which the show is called Action Activate, but I'm Gazbot, so I put my art and that on the same one. Um, if you go to my channel, there is a playlist with just the interviews. I'm going to guess 20. That's, you know, that's a rough guess, but, you know. What is this? Johnny, that's... If oh, I'm correct, that's... Babu. <laughs> oh, a Babu piece. Yeah, I did do a print with Babu, Yeah. <laughs> and that's an example. That's a perfect it's, example. Uh, I, it was uh, because I didn't know the, the, I met Steve Andrino, Babu at Palmer Crown Express in Texas. 
and I had done prints of all the actors I knew was going to be there. I didn't know he was going to be there. And I think oh. he talked about it in the interview with you where he, he got, yeah, that's him. That's my drawing of him. Um, nice. Thank you. <laughs> and so I didn't have artwork of him because I didn't know he was going to be there, but we ended up hitting it off and chatting and, and becoming chummy. And later on, I made a point of like, okay, I'm going to do one of Babu because now I know Babu. How am I going to not have art of Babu? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then so now, yeah, now I have them. And, and I think sometimes he has them at his table as well, which is cool. That is very cool. Yeah, we miss seeing Steve. It's been since Beaumont since we've actually seen him. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I've seen him. I've seen him once before. I've talked to him, you know, virtually, but I haven't seen him in person, and probably since that meeting, actually, because I I live in California, so we we don't cross paths that often. Um, theoretically, uh, Power Morphicon. <laughs> <laughs> combining or colliding which yeah, is <laughs> combining <laughs> but power morphicon uh which is the once every two years huge power ranger convention which is uh near me actually i, I just moved them i used to be like eight hours away now i'm like an hour away but uh that's gonna be happening uh in like six months or so so assuming everything mm -hmm. is stable with running conventions probably steve and i will both be there is, is the likely thing yeah. very nice, nice. and i'm wondering who else do you think will be there? You're asking me to tell you who's going to be a Power Morphic? <laughs> yeah. Come on. I don't know. Um, Does he know? We're, we're a convention show. Do you know? I, well, tell us. I, tell you us. can go to powermorphicon.com and find who's listed. I will tell you, uh, I think Campbell Cooley, and I know that because, like Steve, he's a friend of mine, so uh, he told me he's probably going to be there. He's uh, a voice. He's actually the opposite of Steve. Steve did the suit, but not the voice. Campbell is a voice actor, and he's voiced tons of villains for the show. So I know he will be there most likely. Um, I think Blake Foster, who is Turbo Blue, probably Brendan Mejia, who is Dino Charge Red because he's local and he does a lot of them. Um, I think Lost Galaxy Yellow, and I don't remember her name because I've never seen her on a show. So again, I I don't know her in that way. More. I, I'm amazed I remember that many, to be honest. That's just off the top of my head what I saw on their social media. But it's months away, so I wasn't that worried about it yet, you know? <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's they got to start advertising months oh, sure. ahead and of time. They've definitely announced more actors than I said. I just I would have to look it up, and I don't want to be looking stuff up while I'm on your show. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you which is your favorite actor because there's so many to choose from. But I well, will ask you which one. Or one of the... <laughs> the one watching the show right the now. The show, <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite season? Uh, Jungle Fury. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, as proof of that, and, and again, I'm not even necessarily saying that's the best season. I do think it's very no, good. No, but just it's your favorite. Uh, and as proof of that, I have two tattoos only. And one of them is this right here. And this is the mark of Jungle Fury. The heroes, they're in a martial arts academy. And once they level up, they get this mark. Uh, and so I got this tattoo, which is what they have. So that's, that's if you ever need proof of how big a Power Rangers nerd I am, I got, I got a tattoo. <laughs> now, do you do commissions? I do. Right now, I'm not taking many because, uh, as, as, well, I said this off the air, but I'm, I'm pretty swamped right now. But I do do commissions generally, yes. If if somebody's interested, they can contact me. And worst case scenario, I'll be like, it's going to be a few months or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, and I do. How do people it. find you online? Um, I have a website at gazbot.com. I'm on Instagram as gazbot. I'm on Facebook as gazbot. I'm, you look up gazbot art, you will find me. 
I'm everywhere. And then just message me and, and let me know what's up. And, and, you know, I can tell you if it's something I could do, which usually it is. Um, and then it's more about how much will it cost and how long will it take? Mm -hmm. um, and right now the cost isn't even the bigger issue. It's, it's the time. Cause I'm in a good way. I'm swamped. I'm, I'm working on some stuff I can't talk about. Uh, some stuff that's not worth talking about. Um, the one thing I'll mention actually, <laughs> there's, you know, I mean, just stuff that who cares, you know, like, oh, uh, it's just paying a bill. Uh, but the one thing I'm working on is um, there's a, a Japanese superhero called Ultraman who has made it over here a little bit, but not as much as Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And there's a card set by RR Parks Cards that had come out that I did a bunch of sketch cards for. And they're doing a, a series two, which is the follow up. Like Ultraman, like Power Rangers, has been on for like a million years. So there's a million versions of Ultraman, but they just haven't come to America. So that one has other versions of Ultraman, which I won't get into, but I'm working on that set and I owe him 30 cards. So that's something I'm working on right now. Wow. That, there's other things as well, but that's the thing most on my mind right now. So cards, I, those, those little cards sell. They sell really, really well. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, I get paid either way, but I, well, part of my payment though is I do get artist proofs. Mm -hmm. um, which are blank official cards that you can only get if you're an artist on the set. And then I can sell those. Like I get my rate for the cards, but then you make a fair amount selling those as well. Um, uh, but, but because I've been so busy, I have a stack like this of artist proofs. I did a mystery science theater uh, 3000 set and I did a couple Ultraman sets. And like, I just have all my artist proofs, which is like money, but I just haven't had time to, to draw on them. <laughs> so how did you yeah. get started in the art portion of your world? Uh, I was a terrible student in high school. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I drew when I wasn't supposed to be drawing and I failed history, uh, U.S. history one, uh, so that my senior year, I had to take one and two at the same time. I failed physical education multiple times. Uh, I, I almost failed math most of the time. Uh, I, I did okay in English and science and, uh, that, and art. And that was it. And, and I, took every art class I could, which was, um, cause I always liked comics and I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, like, I, I don't know that I thought at the time when I was a little bit younger, like this will be my job or whatever. But I remember going to a comic convention back when going, you were, you know, it was, it was like at a, some hotel. I can't remember what it was called, but it was literally like, Oh, that's where comic conventions were like the, in, in the lobbies of hotels or in the, you know, conference centers of hotels. And it was just like, you know, 30 people with like long boxes of comics and like one local artist, you know, that was what a comic convention was. And this guy, um, oh, what is his name? Mike Wolfer. He still works today, which is amazing that I was able to find him online. Uh, and he was doing a, a, a kaiju book, which is funny because at the time it wasn't a, like a Godzilla type book. At mm -hmm. the time I wasn't super into, but the trajectory of my life is like now I'm kind of doing what he was doing then. But he was doing sketches and I got had him do me some X-Men. I had him do had me do Rogue and Nightcrawler back when he didn't like it was it was so obscure that I had to go bring him an X-Men comic so that he knew what I was talking about. You know, whereas now everybody knows what that is. Um, and so he was doing it and I was like, how did you get to be such a good artist and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, practice. And I'm like, I do. And he's like, well, just take every art class you possibly can, no matter what it is. And I followed that advice so that in middle school and high school, any like, oh, printmaking or like photography or stuff that I wasn't even particularly interested in. I just took every art class I possibly could. And for better or worse, by the time I got to my graduation of high school, like I barely graduated, you know, I did, but it wasn't like, I didn't have a good GPA, but that was fine. Cause I never took my SATs, which was fine because I was going to SVA in New York and they liked my drawings. So like, <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, and, and the bad advice I give when I do conventions, sometimes there'll be somebody with a kid, you know, not like a three-year-old, but you know, like a 12 year old, 15, whatever. And they'd be like, Oh, what, what's your advice? And I'm like, 
and I'll say like I used to just say this, but now I try to be able to like ask the parent if it's cool. Like my accurate but bad advice is like if you want to make a living as an artist, don't have a backup plan. Do not get that accounting degree. Don't you know get into law. Have no other skills because my skills are retail or art. That's it. So like when I was broke and I had no heat, it wasn't like, well, I guess I better go get a job at the office. It's like, no, I better draw some more. I hope somebody buys it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I did, I went through a lot of like, I'm okay now, but I went through years of being the stereotypical starving artist, you know, and had I had some other option, I probably would have taken it. But so my advice is like, you know, like there's also an element of luck, like acting or any, or being a musician, you might just get lucky and get discovered that could happen, you know, but generally you're going to go through some hard times. And if you have an exit strategy, you will probably take it. Cause I also have a lot of friends that are better artists than me that had an exit strategy and took it, you know, and no, no nothing against them, but like, that's, you know, the only surefire way I know to make a living as an artist is you have to, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, swim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of parents don't like that advice, but, and so I understand <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's true. It's true. You know, like, so did you start doing like the comic cons to start to sell your art or how did you later, start to sell later. your art? Then how did you start to sell it in the beginning then? Um, there were like a handful of random, like a friend's mom wanted their kid drawn or like, you know, just like a friend of a friend, very piecemeal. Like I had my normal day job and once in a while I'd, you know, get a job. What, what started happening is um, back in the day I tried work jobs. Um, like I worked at a couple of video stores and movie theaters and things like that where you like kind of work really hard when it was busy and then just sit around and do nothing. And I would draw in the sit around do nothing time. And sometimes customers would see that and hire me. Like, oh, I have a menu I want you to draw wolf for or whatever the thing was. But again, it was very piecemeal, but it started giving me like a little bit of confidence. And I started putting some of those pieces, well, here's 10 pieces that people paid me for that I could show. And, you know, and then I, I was doing like just comics for myself that nobody was buying and just kind of like drawing, like not really doing anything with it. And my friend, um, Mike went, who is now like a fairly well-known comic book artist, Mike Dawson, if anybody's heard of him, he's like an alternative guy, but anyway, he, uh, he was going to get a job at Six Flags. I'm from the East coast originally, Six Flags, Great Adventure in New Jersey. And I went with him just to go on the rides after he was going to get a job as a caricature artist. And he was very much like, I'm going to be an artist for a living. And I'm like, that'd be nice, but I don't, you know, this is like, I was working retail. I hadn't yet realized that art, you know, it was art, I guess it could work, you know? And, um, he went in to get, oh, I'm, I'm missing a piece. I'm sorry. I did go to one year of art school at the Joe Hubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Illustration. And after that, I tried to get work and I was not able to. And so I kind of felt disillusioned a little bit. And it kind of had the opposite effect of where I got, this isn't for me. I'm not going to do it, you know. But mm -hmm. um, but after that, I went with my friend to this interview to get be a character artist. And I was just hanging out. So we were going to go on the roller coasters after. And the guy who interviewed him saw me. And knew me because he was a teacher at that art school. And he's like, ah, hey, Gretzky, what are you doing here? Like, that's how he talked. You know, he's a real cartoon. I'm like, oh, I'm here with my friends. Like, well, yeah, yeah, we need our, we need character artists. Why do you come work for me? I'm like, I don't know how to do character. He's like, ah, you could drive, saying it. Yeah, you'll figure out. You know, like, <laughs> and I got hired on the spot, kind of just like, nice. okay, there, you know, and I'm like, well, I guess I might be terrible, but you know, it beats retail, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> arguably it's still retail because, but, uh, but yeah, I started working there and uh, I, I leveled up pretty quick and, you know, I got the hang of it and I, you know, I did caricatures at Six Flags for years. And then while I was doing that, I would get sometimes hired to do parties, which is way better money because you get kind of an hourly rate plus like a little bit of commission. So you could work like all day and make a couple hundred bucks or you could work a two hour party and make a couple hundred bucks oh, nice. you know, in, in air conditioning. So I started doing that more and more. And for a while, I was just making my living as a caricature artist, but I would still be doing 
illustration pieces on the side and trying to sell my comics and things like that. And um, I would do a couple conventions here and there, but like, I wouldn't make any money. Like I, I wouldn't even make my table back, you know, but uh, then like I, Oh, then I went back to school and I got my degree in uh, because I was making enough money at caricatures that I could, and I got tons of financial aid and stuff. It wasn't like I'm making millions. I, <laughs> I had a lot of debt, but I took out a lot of loans, got a lot of financial aid and I was able, and also with caricatures, there's a lot of downtime. Like I said, it's like a lot of intense work and then just sit around for three days. Mm-hmm. So I had time to do school. And so I went to school of visual arts. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I went to community college. Then the last part, I went to school of visual arts and I got a degree in animation. From there, I got a couple internships and started working immediately in the animation field in New York. And I worked for Nickelodeon and MTV and a lot of stuff like that for a couple of years. Um, and when I was doing, like, once I was there, I might not have been doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, but like, I was making a living as an artist and like a halfway decent living for you know, years. That's, um, yeah, that's nothing to stick a stick at. Yeah, no. And, and then I moved out here, you know, 10, 11, 12, out here being California. And I got chummy with a comic store owner who let me have like a little um, gallery at her shop. And at the time I was doing a lot of zombie art. So it was just like a whole bunch of zombies. Oh, neat. Um, and, Amy's uh, cheering up there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's her. Sort of- I used to do tons and tons of zombies. Honestly, I stopped right around the time like Walking Dead and all that stuff got real big, which is terrible business. But I, I like because I'm a stupid artist. I'm like I've been drawing zombies for years. I'm tired of it. Oh, it's popular now. Well, I'm done. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's so stupid. But but that's kind of exactly what happened, you know. Um, and then but then I started because I did that and it went well. I started doing local conventions, and I started off just barely breaking even, and then making a few bucks. And then it was like, oh, I could make enough that I could travel to Florida and pay for my plane ticket, and my hotel, and still come home with a couple bucks. And you know, I. I'm, I don't think I could ever make my living doing conventions, but I usually come out ahead and I usually come out with like more, um, I don't want to say fans because that's not correct, but like more people being aware of my work, mm-hmm. more people that will follow me and be interested in what I do. Um, and yeah, a lot of the work I get now is word of mouth or me chasing. Like the Ultraman card set, literally, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups with artists and I saw some, I see people doing sketch cards all the time. And honestly, I was not particularly interested in working on cards. It just wasn't mm-hmm. something that interested me. But I saw somebody be like, hey, I'm working on this Ultraman card set. I'm like, did you say Ultraman? And I'm like, how did you, what, how did this happen? And he's like, oh, talk to this guy. And I talked to the guy and he's like, have you ever done any sketch card work? I'm like, no, here's a bunch of my art. He's like, that's great, but we need sketch card artists. So I just quickly did a uh, Ultraman sketch card. I'm like, like this, he's like, that'll work. You're hired, you know? But like, that was a weird one where I like chased it, you know? But normally it's just like somebody needs something and, I, and they know I'm an artist and it, you know, whatever. But, but more and more in my career, I've been fortunate. Uh, and there are people way further, more fortunate than me, but I've been more and more fortunate to do it tipped at some point from, I will do anything. I will do any kind of art you want for any amount of money. What you want me to draw something I hate that I'm bad at for a dollar? Sure. <laughs> to, to now I will take jobs if they pay well, or if I like them and, and sometimes both. So the type of work I do now, it, it's getting closer and closer to the type of stuff I want to do all the time. And that that's, that's a good feeling. Cause Very weirdly, yeah, cause weirdly you become an artist to like do things you like and then to spend years doing things you don't like. <laughs> Don't like, but it's in the same field. Oh, again, better than retail. And it it helps me grow as an artist. But like, I want to draw monsters and robots. And I've done like kids books and, you know, stuffed animals and and little league logos and just nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but nothing I ever would want to do, you know, just (laughs) except that I was being paid. So it's like retail or draw something I'm hating. So I'm going to draw something I hate. There you go. Exactly. Yes, exactly that. The worst art job is better than the best retail job, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's not true for everybody, but you know. 
Now, we have put your Facebook page, your Etsy page, and also your website on here. Well, so you. if anybody wants to go check out his work, check him out at Etsy, go to his Facebook page, go to his website. Hey, it's it's there. What can I say? It's <laughs> pretty easy to find on social media. You put at and the G-A-Z and it will probably populate for you. That's what it yeah, did it, for me today. I try to be everywhere at least a little bit. I, I, there's probably a few platforms I'm not on or, or whatever, but like, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I'm on all those at least. Nice. Very cool. Now, I do know that we have a convention coming up in two weeks or three weeks? Three weeks. Three. Mm -hmm. Three weeks. We'll be at SyphaCon in Lake Charles. Unfortunately, it's not during Mardi Gras, like you mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Being in Louisiana, Mardi Gras would be fun. No, that, that would be too people for me. That would be something I would have to say no. <laughs> oh, those people. Yeah, no. But, and I know we'll be on next Tuesday at 11 a.m. We have a show on Friday at 6 p.m. with Natalie Jones, who's an actress, a producer, and a director. And she also does, I believe, sound with movies. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a lot to discuss with her. Then we have Matt Burns coming on, which, believe it or not, Amy's going to be the main host for that one. Yay! Dealing with uh, Hi, Candace. Four, four State Comic Con. Hi, Candace, for State Comic Con and South Carolina Fear Fest. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to leave early during the show because I'm doing an interview. And nice. it's going to be for Comic Conroe. Yay. So I won't say what it is, but <clears throat> it will be next Saturday. So we have a lot going on this next week. Mm -hmm. So make sure y'all join us. And Gaz, it was great having you on the show. Yeah, I actually, I, I learned a lot and I will look up the RPM season for um, Power Rangers and check it out. So I nice, appreciate yeah. your time uh, and your. I'm sorry, but the one I'm going to have to check out will be Jungle Fever, especially if you got a Fury, tattoo Fury, about Jungle it. Fury. Jungle Fury. Jungle Fury. Jungle Fury. Whatever. It's on my list. I actually have a list and it's on the list right there. Nice. Uh, somebody, I saw a question pop up for me, but I didn't see what it said. I'm sorry. Uh, who's your white whale to meet? Oh, uh, it used to be uh, Amy Jo Johnson, MMR Pink, because she's the one that never seems to come to this coast. But if I'm being honest, it's it's Casey, uh, the Red Jungle Fury Ranger, actually, from my favorite season. I've met everybody else from the season except for the Red Ranger, who's my favorite of all time. And I, he's never been at a con that I'm aware of and, and that I've been to. So he's my white there whale. There you go. Yeah. I'd probably explode if I met him. <laughs> We all have those people. Yeah. It might be it might be in six months. You never know. I who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but cool. anyway, everyone, we will be back on Tuesday at eleven AM. Make sure to check us out on Good Pods, iHeart, Spotify, Amazon. We're everywhere. Just look us up. You'll find us. <laughs> but until Tuesday, everyone, 